it's really hard in Black America where you work hard and then you keep seeing blatant displays of people not caring about a Black life. And I don't know how many times you can see that and, and still be okay. Here you are working and you still got to be on the Zoom or write the proposal and know that some Black person you don't know just got murdered for just being Black. And then people acting like, no, that doesn't happen. And that creates a level of trauma. And it, it was creating trauma for me in the States. They'll inundate you with some news. I mean, until you feel it in your soul, you know what I'm saying? And it affects you. Like here, I can somewhat sadly ignore it if I don't want that energy. But when I was stuck in the States, I don't know who, which other person was murdered. I just remember crying, like, like for a week straight, like, shit, I'm tired. Hey everyone, welcome to Flourish in the Foreign, the podcast that elevates and affirms the voices and stories of Black women living and thriving abroad. This podcast centers Black women and also explores living abroad as a pathway to wellness and wellness in all of its many forms, financial, professional, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. Welcome to the show and welcome back if you are returning. I love, I love my audience. So thank you so much for tuning in every week. I greatly appreciate you. And if you're new, hey, I'm Christine Job, the host of Flourish in the Foreign and a Black American expat living and thriving here in Barcelona. As I said before, I am the host, creator, producer, and everythinger of this here podcast. And this podcast truly is a labor of love, but yes, labor nonetheless. And that is why I'm asking you all to please support this here podcast. There are five ways for you to support Flourish in the Foreign. One, become a Patreon supporter of Flourish in the Foreign by going to www.patreon.com slash Flourish Foreign. The second way you can support Flourish in the Foreign is by Cash App. You can Cash App the podcast at dollar sign Flourish Foreign. And Cash App is kind of like a tip jar. So if you're listening to an episode that really moves you, really educates you, helps you, anything, you can go ahead and just slide the podcast a couple bucks. If you want to contribute to the podcast, but maybe not in a monthly way, this is the perfect way for you to support. So please cash out the podcast, dollar sign Flourish Foreign. I appreciate it. The third way you can support Flourish in the Foreign is by placing an ad within this podcast or sponsoring an entire episode of Flourish in the Foreign. If you have an organization or business that's in alignment with this podcast and you would love to get it in front of an incredible audience of ambitious, educated, and internationally minded women, go ahead to the Flourish in the Foreign website, www.flourishintheforeign.com slash contact, drop me a line and I'll send you over the rate sheet and we will chat. The fourth way you can support Flourish in the Foreign is by sharing this podcast. Yes, of course, share the podcast. It is so important to share the podcast across your own social media channels and your own social network. Your personal recommendation is obviously worth so much more than any marketing I can do. So please continue to share the podcast. Fifth way you can support Flourish in the Foreign is, of course, by subscribing to the podcast. Give the podcast five stars, leave a review, and also follow the podcast across all social media channels at Flourish Foreign. I really, really enjoy the reviews that you guys write for the podcast. It means so much to me and it really keeps me going. As I've told you guys before, this is a one woman show. Okay, from production, finding the guests, to recording the guests, editing the podcast, social media, everything. It is a one woman show. So it takes time <laughs> and a lot of effort. And I appreciate you taking the time to write a review for the podcast. I'm going to read a review today. This one is from Kat MG. 
And she says, captivating. I was completely captivated with listening to Nayana's story. Great tips for anyone considering living abroad, but simply interesting and educational for those considering visiting the destinations discussed. Can't wait to hear next week's episode. Thank you so much, Kat MG. I really appreciate it. And if you guys haven't heard Nyana's story, Nyana's story was the very first episode of this podcast, and it really kicked off the podcast with a bang. So definitely go back and listen to Nyana's story. It is a good one. Okay. I just gave you all five different ways to support this podcast, and I hope you have chosen at least one way to support Flourish in the Foreign today. This next message is brought to you by the Democrats Abroad Global Black Caucus. They've asked me to share this message with all of you Americans who are currently living abroad. It is not too late for Americans who live abroad to request their absentee ballots, but the deadlines are quickly approaching. Visit the nonpartisan website, votefromabroad.org, now to complete your ballot request form and return it to your local election office in the USA. It only takes a few minutes. If you are concerned that you may not have enough time to return your ballot to your local election authority before the deadline, you can vote immediately by the backup ballot known as a Federal Write-In Absentee Ballot, or FWAB. In addition, trained volunteers from Democrats Abroad are available on Zoom every Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday until the election to offer one-on-one help and answer any questions about voting from abroad in real time. You can get more information on this by going to www.democratsabroad.org slash global underscore voter underscore assistance. Okay, now on to the next story. This week, we have Cinnamon, and Cinnamon is also known as Driven Spice on YouTube. She has an incredibly popular YouTube channel where she has laid out her journey of going abroad to Portugal. But I will let her tell you all about it. My name is Cinnamon. I am 41 years old. I'm currently in Lisbon, Portugal, and I'm from Washington, D.C. Summer of my 40th is when I left for Portugal. I think moving abroad wasn't really on my radar, honestly. I started my first company when I was like 21, 22, and I worked really, really hard at that and just spent so many hours and so many time doing that that I didn't really have much of a life. And then I, as life does, it shows you that life is short. 2008, 2009, I was heavily invested in real estate. And I lost everything with the 2008, 2009, you know, crash, real estate crash. And I lost everything and had to start all over. But before starting over, there was a lot of depression. I had associated how my worth by how much money I made. And when I wasn't making any money, I didn't feel worthy of anything. So I went through a massive depression for, I think, a couple of years. And I also had a business colleague who was, we were both in the same industry. So she got hit pretty bad as well. And at the time, we really identified with each other because we were both relatively smart, but just got hit and was just trying to get back up. So fast forward some years, we, you know, kind of picked ourselves up and life was starting to get good. We started to travel maybe like to the Caribbean or South America and stuff like that. And then one day she said she wasn't feeling well and she had to go to the hospital. Um, I said, okay, girl, just let me know what they say. And when we talked the following morning, they told her she had lung cancer. She never smoked a day in her life, nothing to explain why she would have lung cancer. And then apparently the cancer just went all over her body. And within a year, she was gone. And at that time, she was literally my most healthy friend. Like she drank green juice every day. She was yoga, exercise. She was a teeny thing. And I'm thinking like, Jesus, if she can go, anyone can. And then I had a series of other people in my age demographic that they thought they had forever and their life was cut short. So I wanted to travel more. When I thought about her, I was like, if she knew she only had a year to live, all of those deadlines and and things that were so important to us, we thought was so important, she would have done something different. She would have traveled the world and met new people and seen beautiful things. And so I was like, listen, I don't know if I got one week, two weeks, two months, two years, two decades, but I want to be able to say... I had a good run when this is all over. So 
I started becoming extremely obsessive with travel. Like I think I left the country every single month and I found a way to do it cheaply. And then I started experiencing how I'm treated in other countries. And I didn't know, I was never aware of that. And that's what made me start thinking, oh, maybe America needs to be put on the back burner and you need to leave. I asked Cinnamon to talk more about her traveling and how she's been perceived and received as a Black American woman traveling abroad. I started to do some small travel with some friends and I went out with other girlfriends. So I was limited on you know certain places they would want to go. And we just know that the food tastes different. And I'm pretty neurotic about my food. And I do know that there, there are certain things that America allows in our food and ingredients that Europe is just not having. <laughs> so that was kind of um, a push to like, gosh, they even feed us differently in other countries. And then I needed to learn how to solo travel because some of my friends either couldn't get the time off or they weren't interested in going to the countries I wanted to go to. So when I started solo traveling, I remember meeting this gentleman, he's Italian, and I met him on Tinder actually when I was in DC. And he put on his profile, he says, I don't wanna hook up, I don't want a girlfriend, I just wanna go to dinner and practice my English. And I was like, that's right up my alley. So I went to dinner with him and he was explaining to me all these places that he had traveled and how he worked all these years and the company just didn't really care about him. And so now he's out traveling. So you're listening to him and I'm just fascinated. And I said, well, weren't you scared? And I remember him saying so, so distinctly, he was like, I was terrified. And he said, but people are nice. And I, when he said, I was like, I didn't believe it. I was like, people aren't nice. They're just not nice to strangers. And so when I started traveling by myself, no one really concentrated on my skin color, per se. Now, there's, there's part of it that's like when you travel as you're a U.S. citizen, people kind of look at you as a U.S. citizen first and then your color, unlike the U.S. So that was the major difference that I saw, because unfortunately, depending on what countries you're going to, there's still discrimination in those countries for natives that live there. I just didn't necessarily experience it because it was clear that I was American. So I'm definitely not saying that black and brown people are treated wonderfully everywhere. I just noticed that I was treated differently. And part of that, of course, was because I was American. But I know that I was treated far better outside of America than I am treated inside. And I think just the trauma that we experience in the States, like over the past two years, I have been waking up crying for people I never met, just of hearing people getting murdered, whether it's by police officers or racist vigilantes that are just doing the most, and it creates trauma. And I think that was one of the things that kind of made me feel like I need to get out of the U.S. because this isn't this isn't affecting my spirit. And so when I was looking for a country, I Googled <laughs> cheap countries in Europe to live. And that's what started the research for Portugal. I asked Cinnamon to tell me what was going on in her life before she decided to actually move to Portugal. Oh, goodness. There was a woman who was like a grandmother to me. She passed November a uh, year before I left. And I don't think anyone deals with death well. I really don't deal with death well. And I was just over it. And I was just ready to go. And so I was like, all right, I'm 40. I don't know how long I have. Let's just try it. So I didn't want to go so far that if I changed my mind, um, that I couldn't come running back. I wanted a place that was warm. I wanted it to be safe because I was um, a single woman moving by myself. And despite what people believe, like not every country in, Amer in the world is safe for single women. And so on the safety index, Portugal scored extremely high in regards to safety. I'm a major foodie. So if the food is not good, I can't live there. And the food in Portugal is just amazing. I thought about Europe just because I understood the food standards they had in comparison with America and America barely having any. So that was important to me. And so I started researching it and it's not as cheap as everyone says it is, that's for sure. I asked Cinnamon to tell me what her family and friends thought when she made the decision to move to Portugal. Well, when I told people 
I tell my best friend, I didn't really know how to tell her because we were super, super close. And I sent, I think I sent her like an apartment in Portugal and we traveled a lot. And she was like, oh, you want to go on a vacation? And I was like, no, I was thinking to go to the live. And she's like, what? And I'm not sure if she knew that I met it at the time, but she soon was with it. And because she travels and it's a six hour flight from, from DC to Lisbon. So she's like, girl, I'll be there. Like, no, don't worry. So she's good. Then I'm good. And so for family, it, getting their passports if they've never had it before they're working on that so i just thought okay this is what i'm going to do and then two months prior to going i started developing all types of anxiety and i've never had an anxiety attack i didn't even know what it was and it just felt like so much stuff had to be done prior to me leaving and i just felt like i didn't have enough time i didn't have any friends at the moment had who had moved abroad so my friends would just keep telling me oh it'll be okay and i'm thinking how the hell do you know that like how do you know it's going to be okay like stop telling me that like, you know? so i'm like losing it and i went to i think it was the girls love travel or one of those facebook groups and I basically just wowed out in a post and I was like, I'm so scared. This seemed like a good idea six months ago. And now that I'm two months out, I'm freaking out. I don't know what to do. I can't breathe sometimes. And there were a series of women that just told me their experiences. One woman told me that she moves every two years, sight unseen, and she gets sick every time. And there were two other women that just really reached out to me. One of one of them is now a really good friend of mine. She lived in Spain at the time. She's actually um, here with me in Portugal visiting. But she reached out and she had moved to four different countries and she was sharing her experience and was actually coming to Portugal for the summer. Cinnamon's journey abroad to Portugal was somewhat straightforward, but her first year in Portugal was not thanks to the global pandemic of COVID-19. And so I moved to Portugal and I remember the first, the first couple of weeks were just really, really tough. I felt extremely lonely and it was just rough. It was, it was a lot of new experiences all at the same time, especially at 40, what I'm saying. So at 40, you know how to operate ovens, you know how to take the train, you know how to do basic things. And I realized I didn't know how to do anything. And so I, every thing I tried, I felt stupid. Like I would mess up on the train. I would get lost for hours. I couldn't figure out how to operate the oven. I didn't know Fahrenheit to Celsius conversion. Like it was just all these just very minor things that I was just bad at because it was new. And then adding that to the anxiety of being in this new place, not really, not really speaking the language. I didn't speak it at all. And I was just like, what have I done? And I just remember feeling so awkward and so scared. And I went to Kishkais initially because someone on the plane who told me that the prices for apartments are more reasonable out there. And I didn't find that to be true, but I did learn for me that Kishkais was a little bit too suburban for me. And again, for me, because I was like, oh, you should go there. I'm like, you guys don't know me and what I need to tell me where I need to be living. But in my opinion, very family oriented. And so I just felt incredibly lonely out there. So then that told me I needed to come back to the city, at least until I started to build some community and be able to experience shops being open late and doing things that I like because I'm from a city. I'm from D.C. So city vibe was important to me. And then the young woman I met um, on Facebook, she came to Portugal for the summer. And so I think it was when that happened and I started meeting more people and meet more community, I started to feel calmer. And I had no idea how important community was because I'm an introvert. And in D.C., I can be in a house for three weeks and not see a person and be completely fine with that. So I figured, oh, if I move to a country by myself, I'll be cool if I'm in the house. It is a completely different thing. So that was rough for me. So I'm not going to lie, full transparency, the first couple of weeks to a month were extremely, extremely rough for me. But I think a lot of things changed once I started to find some community. So... I was, I think four months after being here, met a gentleman and fell madly in love. And we were together for about six months and we lived together. So a good portion of me feeling community is because I, I had a partner and we did many things together and that type of thing. And then right before COVID, I flew to the States to go to Curacao with my best friend. We had a trip to Curacao. We went to Curacao. And then we came back to the States. I was only supposed to be there for a couple of days and I got sick. 
when I was in the States and we got back from Curacao, I had uterine thyroids for about, I don't know, a decade or so. And they never really caused me problems. And the doctor was like, as long as you're not in pain, you shouldn't have to get them removed. And when I got sick, my doctor blamed it on my thyroids, which I feel like he was just pulling it out of the air. But he was telling me they've gotten bigger and he doesn't know or no, no one knows how much pressure it's putting on the rest of my organs. So I was like, okay, fine. I'm in another country. So let me just go ahead and get this operation so I never have to deal with this and come back to America. So I always knew I had them and I had research surgeons like two years ago. So I was like, all right, let me just make an appointment. And then COVID happened. (laughs) And when COVID happened, I don't think none of us knew what was really going on. They kept saying it's like the flu and I rarely get the flu. So I was like, okay, we're good. And then they started shutting down borders. And I was like, oh, like, what does this mean? So for like a month or two, it was cool because I was able to spend time with, you know, family and friends in a way that I couldn't before because in the U.S., everybody has these busy schedules. You got to, you know, put someone on your calendar just to have lunch and things. So now everyone was stuck in the house and they was able to see and spend quality time with people that I love. So initially that part was great. And I think we thought, oh, maybe they'll close the borders for like a month to max. And then the borders were like, for the U.S. specifically, in most countries, they was like, nah, I can't come back in. So initially I was on a tourist visa when I moved, but the residency visa was the only way to get back into the country. And my life was here. I had my, 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 everything I had, I only had a week's worth of clothes in D.C. because I didn't plan on being there. So really just trying to figure out what I needed to do to get the visa. And of course, the visa office was closed because of COVID. And then it finally opened up and I was able to get my paperwork in the process of becoming a resident. So part of it was out of necessity because of COVID. Listen, people were out there not playing games with these borders and I had to do what I needed to do. So Cinnamon was expecting to spend the entire year in Portugal, but found herself stranded outside of Portugal in the United States. I had to ask her, what happened to all of her stuff while she was away? It's still here. So then me and my boyfriend um, broke up because some things that he wasn't truthful about came to the forefront. And so we broke up and actually COVID didn't happen at that point. We just broke up and I was emotionally just sick. And it took me a minute to even get out the bed, let alone do anything else. So my heart was broken and I'm dealing with that. And luckily, by the grace of God, I was with my best friend because if I went through that breakup and I was by myself in Portugal, I don't know how I would have been able to deal. But I was with her. And finally kind of got it together. And then COVID hit. And so my stuff was still in Portugal. I had been communicating back and forth with my landlord. And he was extremely kind. He was hes like, I understand. Don't worry about it. It's okay. Figure it out. And he was just really gracious and, and kind to me. And I can't imagine anyone being so kind in the States. And I was like, can I send you money for storage fees or something? And he's like, but it's a pandemic. It's okay. It'll be all right. And I was like, wow. So... I'm just really, I was really anxious for months of just getting back because I just felt so horrible about my life being stuck in in Portugal and and my stuff everywhere. But again, they were just really gracious and kind to me and which just continues to show me that this country just has really amazing people. I mean, you're going to find your exception, no jerk anywhere. But for the most part, people have bent over backwards to help me or make sure I have a good experience or to be kind to me. And and that's just new territory for me. I mean, again, I'm an East Coaster. We're not, <laughs> not really stereotyped of being the kindest people. It was definitely a new space for me. I asked Cinnamon to tell me a little bit more about what Portugal has been like for her and the visa process. Understanding that her first complete year was interrupted by the global pandemic. So I'm going to be full full transparency. This year is really, really hard because I feel like I didn't have like the full experience because we lost so many months to COVID. So many offices were closed. You couldn't even travel. Like I can't see a good portions of Portugal now because of COVID. So I'm still very much, in my opinion, like when people ask me how long have you been there, I feel really weird about saying like a year and some change because I'm like, but subtract seven months and two months because of COVID. So 
I feel like once I get closer to like right now, I have my residency that I got in the States. And I guess for anyone leaving the U.S. and need to get a visa, get it, get it in the States, um, particularly if you don't speak the language going to another country. So I have my uh, meeting with immigration in November, and I'm sure I'll have so much more to say about what I wish I would have known then. But right now, I feel like I'm still in this kind of interesting honeymoon phase. But just finding out what you need to do to be able to stay in the country legally can be a challenge because I felt like even with other expat friends that I had, they were part of the EU. So you went around just really not knowing what is necessary to stay. And of course, I'm still in the process. I have my residency visa, but then there's a series of steps I do after that. So being an immigrant is definitely a different life I have. So much more uh, respect for immigrants and really figuring out the system because it's not easy at all. It's not like the government sites are very packed with information that's easy to digest. So you have a lot of trial and error and it could be extremely frustrating and you're going to have those obstacles, but you just keep through it and keep doing it. You know, a lot of times when people go abroad, they think particularly here in the Iberian Peninsula, Portugal and Spain, It's cheap. It's cheap to live. But you know, that really all depends on exactly where you live. For example, I live in Barcelona and Cinnamon lives in Lisbon, which is not cheap. So I've asked Cinnamon, what has apartment hunting in Lisbon been like? Oh, getting an apartment in Lisbon has been the most difficult thing I have ever experienced. That, that's a little bit of an exaggeration. It's a, it's a challenge. And the frustration for me in particular is because people in Portugal know that the salaries aren't high here. Some people admit it, some people don't. But let's be real. If we look at the salaries of in Portugal in a government scale and look at the salaries in other countries in Europe that are part of the EU, Portugal's on the low side. So the fact that their apartments, and granted, I am speaking of Lisbon, I'm not speaking outside of, the fact that their apartments are so ridiculously high, it makes no sense. And what, what really makes it frustrating is that some of these apartments can be just as expensive as what I was paying for my three bedroom townhouse with three bathrooms and three levels in Washington, D.C. There is no reason in hell that makes sense. (laughs) It makes no sense. Something that people don't always consider when going abroad is the exchange rate. And exchange rates fluctuate all the time. I asked Cinnamon to tell me about her experience dealing with exchange rates. Major faux pas on my side. I did not consider the exchange rate when I moved to Europe. No, like not at all. I knew that there was a difference. I know the euro was worth more. Like when I first moved here, it was like one dollar and eleven cents, and I think now it may be up to a dollar eighteen or nineteen. And currencies change every day. So especially what's getting going on economically with America, and I know America feel like they're the greatest, but when other countries currency is higher than yours, it can create an issue. So a couple cents may not sound like a big deal initially, but when you're getting like high ticket items like rent and stuff like that, those pennies add up to hundreds of dollars and it can change over the course of a month, depending on what the economy is doing. And I'm not going to argue with anyone about what's about to happen to the economy, but in my opinion, globally, it's about to go through some major changes. And the U.S. is going to find themselves in a really difficult situation because we continue to just borrow money in order to get ourselves out of whatever financial drama we get into every 10 years. <laughs> like that's kind of been our thing. And so in the process of what's been going on and not to go political, like we've been upsetting a lot of countries just over our arrogance. And these are countries that invest in us and some of them own majority of our debt. So you pissing off countries that own majority of a debt, like if they all were like, hey, yo, give us our money, we wouldn't even know what to do. We would have no idea what to do. So thinking economically about what's going to happen globally, but also what's going to happen to the U.S. dollar and you don't live in the U.S. and you may live in a country that is higher in regards to currency in the U.S., that is a big ass deal. And 
I did not consider that. I asked Cinnamon to tell me about her serial entrepreneurship and what kind of businesses she's had over the years. So I started when I was 21. I was teaching adjudicated youth and special needs students at the time. And in D.C., there were various schools that provided that type of need. And I was a teacher. I provided uh, educational services. And I had a friend who had a business and I hadn't had one and didn't have that many friends that were entrepreneurs. And I had a meet with him and I was like, so what am I supposed to do? And initially when I talked to my accountant, again, I was 21, 22, and they were like, well, you should incorporate because it'll save you in taxes. And I didn't know what that meant. And I was like, okay, we've saved me in taxes. I guess that's what I'm supposed to do. And then I talked to a, a friend who was a mentor at the time. And he said, We'll go get these various certifications. So he told me about the 8A certification, what was then called the LSBD certification, various certifications in D.C. so that when certain contracts come about, you get points for being a part of certain groups. And so I filed all that paperwork, didn't really know what I was doing. I just was doing what I was told. And so what that allowed me to do is then expand the company to do government contracts because I had a federal certification. So I expanded that way. And I always had like real estate investment on the side. And I was just getting really frustrated with the bureaucracy of the schools in addition to some of the federal contracts. And I was like, I'm just going to go to real estate full time. So I bought a series of investment properties. I rented some out. I flipped some. And again, when the 2008-2009 crash came, I, had, I was also trading then too. And I had liquidated my brokerage account to attempt to save real estate that I shouldn't have and just basically lost everything. So I wasn't doing anything for years, but the whole world was imploding, at least in the States and not the world. But the U.S. was just imploding with foreclosures going everywhere, people losing their jobs. It was just like a financial Armageddon. And it probably gave me PTSD because then I've always been so cautious afterwards. But I told myself then that with the last you know, entrepreneur endeavors I was doing. I never traveled. I barely saw people I cared about. I was just hustling and grinding. And I said, well, whatever I do next, I want to be location independent, not really thinking that I was going to be traveling the world, just more so I wanted to be able, if I wanted to see a friend in Indiana and stay there for a week and visit them, I could do that. I had to think about what new skill could I learn? And what I do know is no matter what market you're in, if you can help a company get more customers, they will pay you, <laughs> period. So I said, okay, so let me figure out what that looks like. And so I started studying digital marketing and understanding how online advertising provided a level of tracking and efficiency that traditional advertising just had no ability of doing. And so I became obsessed with that. And then I concentrated on industries that had enough money to consider paying for someone like me and did that. And still, I still love it, but it wasn't as exciting. Like my creative side wasn't really able to shine much. And I felt like I was kind of stuck. I mean, I've been working with the same type of clients and was doing the same thing day in and day out. And I felt like creatively I was just stuck. And then ironically, when I moved to Portugal and just kind of living the life and, and experiencing everyday things, I was saying, huh, you would see certain things of how technology could be more efficient in certain areas and how I can make that a business. And so I've been working on a cup toying with a couple projects here in Portugal as to how to use technology in my digital marketing background to better help businesses display what they do to tourists or, or people who want to come to Portugal. So I've been building that for a while and working on other projects. So most of my life has moved to more digital projects for myself. When I did move, I said that I wanted to spend more time building my personal brand because I had spent years building everybody else's brand. And that's what Portugal allowed me to do because it wasn't this hustle and grind every morning, every evening. The East Coast is five hours behind, so I can get up, do yoga, eat, whatever. And by the time it's time to work, I've done everything I needed to do and I'm back in the house in Portugal. So 
my entrepreneurship has been kind of all over and it's had some successes and it's had some major failures. I think the thing that's important to know is that no matter what happens to you or whatever you're stripped away from you tangibly, it's like no one can take the knowledge that's in your brain and knowledge is just too important to not get as much of it as you possibly can. And that's always been like a model for me, like read the books, spend hours studying, be better, know it. And you'll always be able to think critically. You know, some people just can't problem solve and think critically. And so they'll see a problem and they'll just deteriorate. And if you see a problem, that's the opportunity for money. So get your life together. I was curious to know how she was planning to handle her retirement and her taxes of her many businesses while living abroad. Well, for retirement, I'm still, of course, investing in that. I day trade, so I invest in my retirement actively. So my business is taxed in the United States because that's where the income comes from. So that's my tax obligation based on the legal entities that I hold. I do want to start a business in Portugal. I know in the U.S., like, there's more benefit to business owners than W-2 employees, period. They don't make any benefits for W-2 employees. And so being a business owner, you kind of understand that there are certain things that are considered business expenses and you pay your business expenses before you pay taxes on your profit. And what I don't know if that's the case in Portugal, I haven't met a ton of business owners yet to further understand how to be taxed. Like, I'm not sure if it's beneficial to incorporate in Portugal as of now. So I'm still going through that level of education with the country in the business taxes to figure that out. But I'm still a U.S. citizen. I still make U.S. income. So I'm responsible for paying taxes on that income. I asked Cinnamon if there is a vibrant Black community in Portugal. I mean, there are Black people everywhere. I don't know why people think that Black people just are stuck in certain places. But you got to remember, like, there's a huge, that's, well, there's a large angle in Cape Verde and Mozambique population here in Lisbon. And just people, Black people are everywhere. So, I mean, my my ex-boyfriend was from Ghana, but was raised in London, and we met in Portugal. And the gentleman I met prior to that, like, he was raised in Italy, and he his family's Nigerian. So... Like gone are the days, like people really got to realize black people are everywhere, like they just are. So you don't have to just go to Africa to see black people. They are living everywhere. Africans are living in every country. <laughs> so we everywhere. I asked Cinnamon to tell me what she knew of the Portuguese health system and also private Portuguese health insurance. So I can't say specifically, but because I have to have my meeting with the immigration, I, I have a traveler's insurance right now because that's what you need for the visa. But once I'm, I before I go to my CEF meeting, which is in November, I have to purchase private insurance. And from what I was told, it can range anywhere from $35 to $45. And it includes everything, dental, health, and things of that nature. I do have a, a girlfriend who's here and she has had to go to the hospital into the emergency room a couple of times. But she said the experience was so much easier because the same day she was able to have a specialist doctor come there. And I know for us, for even for my conditions with thyroids, if I needed an ultrasound, I had to wait like another three or four months to get an appointment with a completely different type of doctor than my primary care. So whatever's going on, and if you need a specialist, you're waiting a month to three months, sometimes longer than that, just to get the follow-up. And here she was able to find a doctor, spoke English and was able to help her. And I was asking, I was like, do you feel like you had a good experience. She said it was a great experience. So it's definitely much more affordable. And I have friends who, you know, live in Spain and, and have a better situation as well. So the health insurance is a big deal. And even though you're paying private health insurance, it's still substantially cheaper um, than anything you pay in the States. I asked Cinnamon to tell me more about her Driven Spice YouTube channel, why she started it, and what's it all about. Initially, the project was for me. I mean, I had the channel for a while, and I would just put stuff more so for archiving for me to remember the places I've been and memories that I've had with some of my friends. So I, when I'm 80 years old, God willing, I can look back and like, look what I did, you know, when I was a little you know, kid. But then when I moved um, to Portugal, I wanted to share my experience for a couple of different reasons. I'm a businesswoman. So of course there was that portion of it. 
And there was also, I didn't see much out there that answered the questions if you were trying to move there. Like there is a bunch of videos on Portugal, like just, you know, this is beautiful. This place is great. And for like tourist stuff, but for like, what, how do you get here? What are you supposed to do? And how, I could not find that. So I was just like, okay, I'm about to share my journey with y'all. And if anyone is interested, here it is. Now, because I know about SEO and algorithms and how how to feed stuff to the algorithm and the computer and stuff like that, there were certain things I did strategically to get more eyes on it as possible. But the experiences living abroad, that was a complete accident. COVID happened, of course, and no one could go anywhere. And because I know the importance of feeding the algorithm, I was like, okay, I got to give it some content or I'm going to lose the momentum. And, and particularly, I know how on YouTube works. So initially, people were asking me stuff about not just Portugal, but moving abroad in general. And I just did not feel equipped. I was like, I don't know, y'all. I just started this journey and I'm messing up what it felt like to me. So I was like, all right, let me find people who live in a bunch of different countries and, and you can hear their perspective. So that all of it wasn't on me because I, ju I just didn't know. And it was great for me, and it's great, and I'm sure you can attest to this when you interview various people that you just really, it's some bad people out here. I mean, not bad, like horrible people, like, like amazing, like what they've done. And I don't even think they know it half the time when I'm interviewing them because I'm sitting there with my mouth open, like, you are incredible. I'm hearing these stories of these people who move to different countries and the way they've done it and what they experience. And I'm like, man. This is awesome. So initially, everybody was in the house for COVID. So it was easy to get a hold of people to do an interview because everybody was in the house. And I planned on stopping it in July. I think the end of July, I had planned on stopping it. And then I reached out to my audience and I asked them first. And I was like, listen, I know you guys want to know more about Portugal, but I was thinking about stopping this. How do you feel? And they were extremely supportive and kind. They were like, take care of you, sis, but we really enjoy the interviews and they just start going in. And I was like, oh, I can't stop this. So I got a little concerned because I was like, do I really have the time to keep finding people? But by the grace of God, people have been finding me. And they're like, hey, I live here and this is the experience I had. And I was like, hey, you want to get interviewed? <laughs> so that kind of worked out well. And just the dynamics of people that are just living abroad, like I just had no clue. And just different cultures. And it's not just about people leaving America, I try to get people who left their home country because when you leave your home country, it's a big deal. And there are a variety of people there in their home country and they want to leave and they just want to see someone else's experiences. So I'm trying to, you know, pull that together and get more of an experience with that. Cinnamon is the creator of the Moving Abroad Summit. And I asked her to tell me why she created it, who's it for, and what are some things people can expect? So the Moving Abroad Summit is a virtual online summit of various expats that live all over the world. And they share their experiences of living all over the world in a general sense. But then for people who upgrade, we have breakout sessions. Everyone has their, their video and their mic, and we can chat like we're friends and communicate and connect. And then there's a networking component that there's, it's almost like speed networking where you get to hit the button, you're connected with someone, you talk for about three minutes, and then you, if you both agree to connect, then it'll exchange your information. So at the end of the conference, you'll have these lists of people that you can connect with who live all over the world, and you can continue to develop those relationships. And then of course, we have an expo center where people can virtually walk down the aisles and see different you know products and services that our speakers are you know, promoting and that they have if they want to take things to the next level. So there's a general session. It just basically talks about all of the things that people either wish they would have done or would have done differently or what you should do your first week, or first couple months. And then for those who really need something specific, like we have breakout sessions, some of them are dating abroad, what it's like being black abroad and traveling, starting a business in Africa, being an entrepreneur. So there's various um, niche topics that the instructor would teach for about 45 minutes to an hour Q&A, and then people can walk away with tangible information of just being more prepared because regardless of what country you're going to, A, community is important. If you can develop some community in this um, workshop, that would be amazing, the summit. 
And two, you just need to know stuff. I mean, it's just, you can't research everything you need when you're moving into country, but knowing other people's experience helps a lot. <laughs> like it helps a whole lot for people to kind of know. Even someone told me that you may be lonely the first kind of month or two, so just take it easy. Then I probably wouldn't have felt like I was going crazy. <laughs> I would have been like, oh, this is normal sin. Just relax and get your zen on. You know what I mean? So what this is just an online platform to just allow people to network and communicate and learn because your friends who you grew up with may think this moving abroad thing is ridiculous and you may not have a lot of people to support you. And now here's a whole audience of people. They've been there. They've done that. And they're not going to look at you like you're crazy because you're saying you don't want to live in whatever country you're in. And the great thing about moving abroad is you can still travel. Everything is so much closer. Africa is closer. All parts of Europe is closer. Asia is closer. So you can find people in another country and go visit them. And now you get to experience this country in a whole different way if you were just there by yourself and you can develop that community when you go on holiday or vacation. So I just wanted to just be a summit of just love and friends and learning and networking. I asked Cinnamon to tell me about some tools or resources she thinks are necessary or helpful for moving abroad. Yeah, I'm actually going to do a video on this too, because there's certain, so there's a company called TransferWise and I feel a little nervous about mentioning them because before I was going to mention them on my channel and then I Googled their reviews really quickly and some people were like, they kept their money and I, I don't know why. So I've been using TransferWise for probably about a year and I haven't had any issues, but TransferWise saves you dramatically on international currency um, exchange rates. And I've never put any large amount and let it sit there. Like I may have had to pay a writer or something who lives in Europe and I may be just transferring their payment, but I've never put like a large sum of money there and let it sit there. So that's one. <laughs> and if you still have business in the U.S., so if you need to make calls and get text messages, because when you're working with your financial institutions, they may want to send you a text message for security purposes to make sure you are who you are. And to save in costs, you have a couple options. If you get if you get a Google voice number before you leave, you can still get the text messages while your phone is on Wi-Fi and airplane mode so that you can still communicate with your bank and your financial institutions. To call back and forth to the U.S. for free, you can use Hangouts. Word on the street is Google is going to phase out Hangouts in the event that they do. You can upgrade to some of the Google Suite business packages and include Google Voice, and some of them will allow you to call any country for free and have various telephone numbers in various countries as well, depending on what you upgrade to. So the VPN is important. TransferWise helps um, getting, of course, a bank account in your local country and really determining how to create some type of income or business in that currency is going to be critical. And I knew that when I moved, I knew that, you know, I was going to attempt to create some type of company. But yeah, there's, there's a couple like digital tools you should definitely employ just to kind of make life a little bit easier, particularly when you're um, communicating back and forth with your banks. I asked Cinnamon if she ever thought she would return to the United States again to live. I'm never going to say never, but I had, when I started traveling, I felt like just off of health insurance alone, me growing old in the United States just seems like, what? I've for the most part, I've been self-employed majority of my life. So I was usually always responsible for my own health care. And at the start, at like 21, my health insurance was $300 a month. And so I've done like various things to, whether it's part-time somewhere else to get health insurance or this back and forth dip and dive you have to do to make sure just that just, just you're covered for your health. It's just too much. Like it's just too much in the States. And so... I knew I wasn't going to grow old in the States. At the time, I didn't plan on moving out the country. And now that I'm out the country, I'm like, well, what, what am I going to go back for? I mean, I work online, so I still have U.S. clients. And I like living in a country where they care about the ingredients they put in my food. <laughs> That's just what that is. And I never want that to change. I don't want to ever move to a country where they will put a variety of five syllable words in your food and call it food. I asked Cinnamon to tell me what her definition of wellness is and how has this journey of moving abroad 
really affected her definition and of course, practice of wellness. I think wellness is being gentle with yourself. And I think with the U.S., it's such this push to produce and work hard and make some employer happy with you, even if they're not even doing right by you. But just the fear that people have of losing their job and potentially losing their health insurance or having so much status in their career that if they don't have that career or that job anymore, that somehow they're not worthy. And so you deal with that back and forth of this value that you you place on yourself. And then even with the trauma that you experience, like it's really hard in Black America where you work hard and then you keep seeing like blatant displays of people not caring about a Black life. And I don't know how many times you can see that and, and still be okay. So like here you are working and you still got to be on the Zoom or write the proposal and know that some Black person you barely, you don't know, just got murdered for just being Black. And then people acting like, no, that doesn't happen. <laughs> and that creates a level of trauma. And it, it was creating trauma for me. And I didn't even know it. In the States, they'll inundate you with some news. I mean, until you feel it in your soul, you know what I'm saying? And it affects you in a level. Like here, I can somewhat sadly ignore it if I don't want that energy. But when I was stuck in the States, I was, I don't know who, which other person was murdered. But I just remember crying, like, like for a week straight, like, shit, I'm tired. I feel like um, taking care of yourself and your mental is critical. And you don't know how long you're going to be here. You, you push things off and you work so hard. You get disrespected by your job or whomever, whatever it is, whether you're in a relationship you should get out of, like life is short. And I feel like you can be kind of oblivious when you go to another country and just be excited by small things. Like, oh my God. Like, I remember when I found my way and didn't get lost and how proud of myself I felt like over that small feat that if I'm back in the States, like I'm, I'm expected to excel. I'm expected to be the best of me, whether I put that pressure on myself or someone else did, but I'm expected that. And then in the process, you, you don't even get to relax, like vacation, like what this little, this little week we're going to give you, how you take care of yourself like that. And so now it's just like, I just got to take care of me. Like, I got to take care of me. If I'm supposed to, you know, be here the way that God wants me to be here and bless other people and share whatever I got me, I got to be good. I got to be okay. I can't do that and be sick and depressed and sad and crying. I can't. So if I'm going to do what God put me here to do, like, I got to feel okay with me. Thank you so much, Cinnamon, for just your great advice and your candor. I really appreciate it. If you want to keep up with Cinnamon, you can via social media. On the internet, you can find me at Driven Spice on Instagram, which is the best way to reach me if you want me to answer something because I can leave a voice note and it can be quick. <laughs> and of course, I'm on YouTube, same tag of uh, Driven Spice on YouTube. All right. Thank you all so much for tuning in this week. I appreciate it so much. I also wanted to make a quick announcement to let you guys know that I have released another bonus episode for you, my amazing and wonderful audience. I really, truly appreciate y'all. You guys are so kind because sometimes it feels like you kind of put things out into the universe. And it's kind of like, radio silence. And you guys aren't like that. Y'all are chatty and I like it. <laughs> Keep on chatting with me. So just to show my appreciation for all of you, I know one of the biggest questions you have is how to land a job abroad. Well, I have put together a bonus episode from a fantastic previous guest, Barbara, from Going Global with Barbara. And her episode was all about how she had retired from the Navy and moved with her husband and kids 
to Jordan to live. And she was an entrepreneur and an international talent acquisition specialist. Yes, she knows how to get a job abroad because she's the lady in charge. She's a person who recruits and hires people to go abroad in her industry, in her sector. I asked her to break it all the way down for us, and she did. If you haven't heard that episode, definitely go back and check it out. But also, we have a bonus episode, basically her walking everyone through how to actually go abroad and what is the best strategy to go abroad. Should you get a headhunter? Should you go with an agency? Do you do it for yourself? Should you just go independently? Should you work for the government? Should you try to be a contractor? So many different things she addresses. And honestly, if you are still on the fence, you are not sure exactly how you will support yourself abroad, listen to this bonus episode. It's going to move some things, okay? Then I definitely want to hear what you guys think about this bonus episode. If you like it, if you think it's been helpful, let me know. Tell me in some comments on the Instagram, send me an email, send me a DM. Let me know if this episode was helpful because I want to help you. I want to help black women get, stay, and thrive abroad. It's so, so important to me. So definitely check it out. You can check out that bonus episode via the website, www.flourishingtheforeign.com slash resources. So it's on the resources page. Or again, you can always find it in the bios across all social media channels. Check it out and let me know what you think. This week, October 20th to October 22nd, is the Moving Abroad Summit. If you are serious about wanting to move abroad, this is the summit for you. It is a virtual event that showcases 20 plus everyday people, including myself, and families that decided to move away from their home country. They've navigated through visa processes, found employment, retired, purchased real estate, and started a new business. This free event to learn tips and gain resources that helped each of the speakers create meaningful and rewarding lives abroad. You'll learn about what they wish they'd known before moving and how to prepare for the talk with friends and family. The panelists will also reveal steps you should take during your first month in a new country, as well as how to search for community, employment, and housing. Learn from personal experiences of others to get a better understanding about what to do when things go wrong. As I said before, I am also speaking at this event, and I will be speaking on day three about how to take your expertise online and abroad. If you haven't heard my episode of How I Went Abroad, definitely check it out. It is episode 10 of this podcast, but also, as I mentioned before in previous episodes, I am a business strategist. I've been a business strategist for eight years. I started in an incubator at the university that I attended law school, and I've been helping entrepreneurs ideate, strategize, and execute for the past eight years. And now I help Black women and women of color leverage your talents and your expertise into viable and sustainable online businesses that you will be professionally fulfilled and financially abundant so that you can pursue a thriving life abroad. That is what I'm going to talk about at the Moving Abroad Summit. So you definitely want to check it out. If you are ready to go abroad, I do have a signature program. It is a 12-week sprint, 90 days. And 90 days from now is well into January. I know, I can't believe it either. It's well into January 2021. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, I want to go abroad, but I'm not sure how I'm going to do it. Definitely check out my website, www.christinejobe.com slash services. I'm actually offering some moving abroad consultations and also some business strategy consultations. Everything from one-off, one-hour sessions just to pick my brain to four sessions in a month called A Month on a Mission to really hone down and strategize. And also my signature program, which is the 12-week sprint. It is for if you're wanting to go abroad and you don't know where to start at the end of the 12 weeks, you are going to have a game plan and not just like a rink-a-dink game plan. You will be well on your way because that's how I rock and roll. And if you are wanting to launch your business, you will have launched the business and you will have your first clients or we will have scaled the business. That's just what I do. 
I mean, ask about me. You can look at the testimonials. That's what I do. I stand on it. But let me just tell you guys, I have amazing clients that I work with that continuously want to work with me. So if you're interested in getting in, I highly suggest you to get on my calendar for a free discovery call because if you're serious about starting the new year, not only with a game plan, but with a business, not only with wishes and dreams to go abroad, but a plan of action and steps already being taken, you'll definitely want to hit me up. So go ahead and do that now. And if, and if you want to attend the Moving Abroad Summit, grab your free ticket. Yes, free ticket through the links in all the social media bios for Flourish in the Foreign or, of course, on the Flourish in the Foreign website and through the show notes as well. It's a live event, so I hope to see you guys there. If you identify as a woman of color podcaster, I want to again bring to your attention the WOC Insiders Podcasters Membership. It is a membership that I am a paying member of and I can definitely vouch for. Whether you are a newbie podcaster or perhaps you're thinking about starting a podcast in the new year, you'll definitely want to join the WOC Insiders Podcasting Membership. There are so many great resources to help you not only get started, but also really help you scale your reach of your podcast. So if this sounds like something that is interesting to you, please sign up today for the WOC Insiders Podcaster membership, and you can do so through the Flourish in the Foreign affiliate link, which is again in our show notes in the bio across all social media channels, and of course the website. So please do so with the affiliate link because it is at no extra cost to you, but is another way for you to support this podcast. As always, thank you to Zachary Higgs who produced the music of this podcast. Zachary is dope and you guys know it. If you need music for your podcast or your next project, definitely hit him up. He's fantastic. I will leave all of his information in the show notes. All right, that is it for this week. See you all next week.